0: Hello there. Dr. Bill Crawford here, psychologist, speaker, author of four books, host of two PBS specials. Here today to talk to you, give you another tip on how to help you create the life you want, how to bring more clarity, confidence, and creativity into everything you do. This is the third installment in a three-part series called The Essential Steps of Effective Communication and Influence. If you remember, in the first video we talked about the importance of going into a situation clear about who you want to be. Really, what are the qualities that I want to bring to a situation? Because if we go into a conversation, especially one where there's going to be some disagreement or we want to be influential, if we're angry or upset or frustrated or annoyed or depressed or tired, They're going to take all that as criticism. They're going to see our state of mind as criticizing them and become more defensive. So we've got to know what we want to bring to a situation. Clarity, confidence, creativity, curiosity. Then we've got to know what we want to bring out in others. That's step two. Rather than trying to change them, rather than looking at what they're doing that we don't like and trying to get them to stop that, which will almost always have them defend the very behavior we want them to change. Instead, we say, okay, to ourselves at least, what do I want to bring out in that person? How have I seen them being in the past that I want to access here? What are the qualities and characteristics I want to bring out in them? So if you notice, very few of us in the past have gone into difficult conversations knowing who we want to be, what we want to bring, and then what we want to bring out in others. We have a tendency to use our frustration, or our stress, or our anger as the motivation to address something, and then try to stop somebody from being a certain way. That's why it doesn't work. So once we're clear about what we want to bring and what we want to bring out, we move to step three. What is driving their resistance? What belief, interpretation, expectation is getting in the way of them hearing my perspective and us coming to some sort of understanding? Now here's the thing. We don't have to agree with what that is, but we've got to know what that is because they believe they're right about that. And if we try to tell them they're wrong, here we are once again in this debate about who's right and who's wrong. And that will, again, almost always have them defending the perspective you want them to change or at least be more open to hearing another perspective then once we understand what is really driving their perspective we want to let them know okay i can see how you would feel that way or i can see how you'd be upset by that or i could see how that would be important to you see what they think is you think they have no right to feel this way or no right to think this way therefore they're ready to defend their right to think and feel this way you don't want them defending their right to think and feel this way you want them open to that so you just empathize by saying you know i can see how that would be important to you again Make a distinction between understanding and agreement. Now we move to the fifth step, the pivotal step, probably not something you've ever heard from any other psychologist or consultant around. Before we do that, though, there is a magic word you want to use because a lot of people have learned to listen to someone. So they'll go, yeah, yeah, I understand what you're saying, but... See that word will negate anything that comes before it if you go up to someone you love in your family saying you know i really love you but i really love you," is out the window so you want to change that word to and i hear what you're saying i can understand how that would be important to you and i've got some thoughts about that as well and then here's what you do you ask them what i call a neocortex question For those of you who've been following my life from the mind philosophy, you know that I divide the brain into three parts. Actually, this was done a long time ago by Paul McLean, and it's a wonderful model for how the brain works. Lower part of the brain, the brain stem, that fight-or-flight response. Middle part of the brain is the interpreter. It's the gatekeeper. It's the scanner, the processor, and the router. It scans the environment for what we should be worried about or afraid of or or for some sort of threat. Unfortunately, it is over-scanning these days, so it's seeing threat where there is none sometimes. And then that upper 80% of the brain, the neocortex, is where we have access to our interpersonal skills, our problem-solving skills, our clarity, confidence, creativity, compassion, our joy. So what we want people to do is shift from what I call the resistant brain, that fight or flight, don't you tell me what to do, I'm going to kind of balk at whatever you suggest, to the receptive brain that part of them that actually can hear and understand what you're wanting them to know, and that part of them that is focused not on the past and the problem and who's right, but on the future and the solution. So the neocortex question you ask them has to be about the future and the solution. It can't be about the past and the problem, because they will remember it one way. You will remember it another, and you'll get into this debate about who's right in the past. Now, I wish I could give you just a ton of wonderful neocortex questions, but sometimes it depends on what they say in step number three. When you determine and understand what is really bugging them, what is driving their perspective, you will learn what's important to them and then you can bring that into this step. There are a few I can give you. For instance, if you're working with someone that either you're supervising or maybe they're one of your kids or your niece or nephew or somebody that you're kind of, you have responsibility for and you're trying to teach. Rather than, if they make, make a mistake, right, okay, rather than saying, what were you thinking? How many times have we talked about that? Don't you know the problems you cause? So you're not trying to make them feel bad about the past in order to feel good about the future. You ask them a neocortex question. One of my favorites is, Okay, (laughs) knowing what you know now, how would you do that differently in the future? See, there's no shame in the future. There's no blame in the future. It accesses this future-oriented part of the brain, these frontal lobes. That's where we think about the future. And you will be surprised at people go, well, you know, I think I'd do this. Or even if they say, I don't know, well, you can say, well, okay, I've got some ideas. Let's bounce them around, see what we can find. You can also do that with yourself. I mean, how many times have we made a mistake and gone, stupid, stupid was I thinking, what is wrong with me, kind of beating ourselves up. I have a quote that says, beating ourselves up is really beating ourselves down. And if down isn't where we want to go, down to that lower 20% of the brain, then maybe beating on ourselves isn't the best way to get there. But that's what we've been taught for a long time, that you should feel really, really, really bad about the mistakes you made, and that keeps you from making that mistake in the future. Now, that works in a fight-or-flight situation. You touch your hand to a hot stove, you go, okay, not doing that anymore. It doesn't work, however, when learning in a more cerebral kind of good information perspective is, is called for when we make a mistake. So one of the things that I'm encouraging us to do when we make a mistake is say to ourselves, okay, Bill, knowing what you know now, how would you do that differently in the future? We can then imagine doing it differently in the future, which means we're more likely to do it that way in the future, even celebrate the fact that we're going to bring new knowledge to some future event and feel good about it. Now, if someone is criticizing you, there's a tendency to get real defensive. No, I'm not. How could you think that about me? No, it's... Not a- Rather than doing that, I would encourage you, number one, you're coming into the conversation curious, clear, confident, creative, remember? You're knowing what you want to bring. You're knowing what you want to bring out. You're listening to them to find out what is driving their perspective. You're letting them know that you can understand. For instance, if they think, you think, they're a horrible person, they're gonna be upset. You don't think they're a horrible person, but rather, I don't think you're a horrible person. Rather than getting defensive about that, you say, okay, well, I, was ho- I wasn't really planning on that, but hey, if I were responding to you or interacting with you in a way that you felt good about, that you felt cared for, that you felt valued, what would I be doing differently? See, that's that neocortex question. Now, when you ask someone who's stuck in their brainstem a neocortex question, it will take a moment for them to shift from here to here. They may go, well, um, I don't know, I guess you would just listen to me, value what I say, try to understand. Whatever it is, it's probably something you can do. So you could probably say, okay, I can do that. Let's just give it a try and see where we go with that. So now you've heard from the horse's mouth what they're looking for from you in in order to hear what you have to say. Remember, that's your goal. You're wanting them to be open. One of the things I talk about in my seminars is what I call the lesson of the fist. And that's where I encourage people to make a fist and then have someone try to kind of force their fist open and notice that all we do is tighten it down. Even if we're digging our fingernails into the palm of our hand, if we think someone is trying to force us to change, we resist. So what I like to do is, is speak to them in a way where that fist opens up. And one of the ways of doing that is asking them, okay, if I were doing this differently in a way that you felt better about, what would I be doing differently? Now, that did not mean you have to do it. But now you know exactly what would have them being more open to what you're wanting to say. If it's a couple, let's assume you and some significant person in your life are finding yourselves dealing with situations in a way that, that is incongruent with your love. You could say, okay, boy, I know neither one of us really like this. If we were doing this differently in the future, what could we be doing differently? So that question of, number one, what could you be doing differently based on what you've learned? If you're dealing with someone that you you supervise or have some authority over. If it's yourself, what could I be doing differently? If it's them, them criticizing you, okay, if I were dealing with this in a way that you felt better about, what would I be doing differently? And if it's a couple, what could we be doing differently? Notice those are all about the future. Those are all about the solution. They're not about who's right. Now again, those are just some of those neocortex questions. Really, the best ones come from that third step where you learn what is important to them, what is driving their resistance. So once you know what qualities and characteristics you want to bring to a situation, what do you want to bring out in others? What is driving their thoughts, decisions, behavior? Letting them know you can see how that would be upsetting so they no longer have to defend it, and then asking that neocortex question. Then you go to step number six, which is problem solving. Now, the nice thing about that step is once you do all these five steps, that comes pretty easily. What's important about the step is that it is the last step in the process. What I notice often, especially for people who are problem solvers by nature, is you have a tendency to go there way too soon. When someone is in the problem-focused part of the brain, not the problem-solving part of the brain, they can't hear your solution even if it's a great solution, because it will come across as criticism. Now, you don't have to do all of these with everybody every time you meet someone. If someone comes up to you and says, you know, I got this problem, and da da what do you think? And you go, well, I think about this, and they go, great, thanks, and go off and do it. You don't have to do any of this stuff. So what I'm encouraging you to do is to recognize that the more someone is resistant to you, The more upset they are with you, the more resistant they are to hearing what you have to say, the more these steps are important. So you can use this kind of as a degree. If someone kind of upset as like a two, or maybe a five, or maybe a seven,
1: or maybe a nine or
0: 10, if they're really, really up in that seven, eight, nine or 10, these steps are really, really helpful because each step is designed to diffuse their resistance. I hope you're enjoying these uh, videos. I'm having a wonderful time bringing them to you. If you would like me to come and teach this process to you, your, your family, your organization, all you got to do is go to my website, BillCrawfordPhD.com. Hit the contact button. Let me know what you're interested in, and I'd love to help you with this. I also work with people around dealing with stress and frustration and help them shift from that brainstem to the neocortex, a brand new way of bringing your best to life. If you like the videos, please hit the like button. You know, Facebook and Google and YouTube, they all love it when people hit that like button. And if you think it would be valuable for your friends, share it with them, you know. Sometimes some of the best things that I get from the web are things that my friends have shared with me. In the meantime, though, I hope you're learning and enjoying and finding these videos valuable and that you're finding more clarity, confidence, creativity in everything you do. If so, I'll look forward to seeing you in the next video.